We begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, wonderful seeing you all here today. We are, uh, I didn't mention at the beginning of the service, but we are in the fourth sermon in kind of a mini sermon series that we've been going through um, entitled Ingredients of a Church. And so really, really what we're looking at is we're saying, okay, um, a church and even as Christians, we can do, we can do lots of things, right? Almost, almost um, endless amounts of things. But, um, but at our core, what are the basics that we do as a congregation? What, what are the basics that actually set us apart from the world in which we live and work, right? So that's what we've been looking at. So the very first week, we just talked about the importance of of connection, and that was in a couple ways. First and foremost, our connection to our God above uh, and Jesus' death and resurrection, but then also the hard work of making connection with other people, which seems to be even harder uh, post-COVID, right? So, but how important it is um, for us to be active in creating connection and creating uh, a community, right? Uh, the second one we looked at was just the, the incredible importance of God's Word. So what, what do we stand on? Well, we stand on Scripture, and Scripture is what feeds us, right? Um, scripture is what strengthen us, strengthens us in our faith and ultimately sends us out. Um, last week, we looked at um, how we can serve and we can love our neighbor in our community, right? So we talk about how can we just love the people and the places in which we live. Um, and today's I would say is a little bit of a mirror or the other side of what we looked at last week. So if we talk about loving our neighbor, um, today we're going to talk about um, the importance of actually speaking uh, about who Christ is, his resurrection, and the faith that we hold so dear. So today, our theme is going to simply be be witnessing. Um, And our text is from the New Testament book of Acts, which is the the record of the early Christian church. Now, um, book of Acts is maybe one of my more favorite books because uh, um, not only is there incredible amounts of truth and wisdom and doctrine in there, but I tend to be maybe a little bit more hands-on and practical. And and what you get to see in the book of Acts is what those Christians felt was important for them to do, sometimes what they also chose not to do, right? Um, And also the spread of the gospel in in, um, the Christian world at that time. And that's specifically what we're going to look at today and where we're going to be focusing on on, um, how God... Uh, um, how God's message is shared and spread within our world. So uh, I got a few opening uh, illustrations for you. Um, Seeds are scattered, new plants are are able to grow and are able to propagate through five different mechanisms. Can you guess what they are? I'm going to give you a hint that the children saw one in their video. How were the seeds of the dandelion? Through wind, okay? So that's our first. This is actually a maple. If you, um, if you, if you have the maple trees in your head, right, you have the helicopters that come down. Uh, so one of the ways that seeds, that, that life propagates, that life uh, um, um, doubles itself, right, and, and moves, uh, the first one is, is wind, okay? So now you're thinking in your mind, okay, there's four left, right? Some of you are like, I already got them, I already got them, okay? Uh, second one is? water, right? So this is a coconut. Uh, coconuts oftentimes are, 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 is a seed and oftentimes is spread by water. So sometimes water can make it travel. Uh, this one is maybe the most boring, but these are poppies. How do you think the seeds of the poppy uh, flower, tree, plant? Yeah. How do, how do the seeds move though? Yeah. A little bit of wind, but 
This one's the most boring of, of the ones. Um, we would just say this is gravity. So if you see poppies, they generally are like, it's a whole group of poppies um, because they die off and their seeds just kind of drop straight to the ground. So technically, gravity makes them move, okay? I told you it wasn't as exciting as wind and water, right? Gravity. Uh, okay, so fourth one. Yeah, animals, right? Animals. So not just chipmunks or squirrels, uh, but all kinds of animals, right, that actually um, will eat seeds, will eat fruit, um, digest them, move them, and, and that's how they move. Um, and the last one is probably maybe the, little, the most exciting. It's in the best picture. Does anyone know what that flower is? Some of you are arborists. No, it, trillium's good choice. And then I saw the seeds and I'm like, man, that looks like Stranger Things in, uh, or something like that, like, in, like some kind of horror show. But um, these, this is, these are actually violets. These are violets, if you can see in the back. So, um, and violet seeds are spread by, uh, um, they call by ballistics. So violet seeds actually um, will forcefully kind of explode and, and shoot the seeds out in order to, to spread life. Uh, within our natural world, um, we have lots of different mechanisms, I think, that, that spreads life, right? That seeds are able to travel and new life, new trees, new plants, new flowers are able to, to, to grow, right? And life is, it doubles itself. Um, all of those are probably good illustrations for us as believers um, because God spreads his word um, through people like you and I, and he does that in a multitude of of ways, and that's what we're going to talk about today. When we talk about witnessing, when we talk about um, sharing life, specifically the life of Christ and the forgiveness we have in Him, God does that. He could have done it through any of those plants. He doesn't. He chose to do it through you, right? And we're going to see the importance of that, the opportunity of that, and actually how that spread uh, in the early Christian church in the book of Acts. So uh, if you like to know where we're headed, you're studious. These are our three points. Um, we're going to talk about life, we're going to talk about death, and then we're going to talk about living as we kind of walk through that text, okay? So life, death, and living when we talk about witnessing. So uh, if you'd like to follow along, we're going to start with verses 54 and uh, all the way through 58 of our text, um, and we're talk a little bit about context and exactly what was going on in the book of Acts that we are kind of thrown into. So uh, you're going to find that printed in your bulletin, should be on the screen behind me here as well. Begin at verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Okay, now uh, I've highlighted three names in here because that sets our context a little bit and the setting in which uh, um, Stephen, Stephen's life is being taken from him. Uh, the first is we talk about the Sanhedrin. So um, in the history of the early Christian church, um, this is a turning point. In fact, we would, could argue and uh, um, we would say that Stephen was the first Christian martyr, that he was killed for his faith, right, for confessing his faith. Um, and this is also serves as a little bit of a, a turning point with the Christian church. 
So up to this point, largely that faith that was being shared in Jerusalem, in Israel, and in that area, right? And we, we, we would understand why that happened. That's where Jesus died and rose again. That's where the apostles were at that time. With Stephen, this, this is when this changes, right? And specifically with his death. He made a confession of who Jesus was, and we get thrown into our text at the conclusion of that. Actually, almost all of chapter 7 is, is Stephen's entire sermon, confessing who Christ is, his life, death, and resurrection, and boldly saying that to the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin were the religious leaders at the time in Jerusalem, right? And, and even as you hear Stephen's uh, um, life and his death, you probably hear and feel a little bit of parallels between someone else. Some of the similar things they were doing to him, they also did to Jesus, which led to his crucifixion outside of the city walls, right? So that's what's happening here. So they're, they're furious. They, they, they accuse Stephen of blasphemy, right? And so much so that without a trial, without any oversight, without anything, uh, they, they issue a verdict, death by stoning, drag him out of the city, which is curious why they did that, right? Drag him out of the city um, and, and put him to death. So that's what's happening. So now all of a sudden this message of Jesus is going to, going to feel, and Christians are going to feel intense persecution beginning in Jerusalem. And that persecution did something to those Christians. And I would argue it did two different things. Number one, it galvanized them in their faith and in their confession of who Jesus was. The second thing is it physically scattered them. So as they were persecuted, as suffering got intense, what happened? They fled. In fact, to, to all the known parts of the Mediterranean Sea. And so wherever those Christians went, they brought those things with them, right? They traveled and they brought that laser-focused confession of who Jesus was on their behalf. And in fact, we see that in our text as well in Stephen, right? He says, even in the midst of being stoned to death, he confesses his God above. And so our first point when we talk about life, why and what would empower Stephen to make a confession like that in the midst of literally being put to death by stoning? There's no other answer than Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And there's no other answer other than he knew it was true. Right? And that's where we start. Life as a Christian, if we want to talk about sharing our faith, it begins with you, in your hearts, right? As we know uh, our sinfulness, our, our, our mistakes, our brokenness, as we lay all of that at the foot of the cross, but then seeing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the payment he made on your behalf. And so Stephen's death was powered by not his life necessarily, but I'd argue by Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection and yours and mine is the same. Forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. Not because of who we are, what we've done, what we look like, the, uh, saying all the right things, uh, jumping through all the right hoops, but based solely and entirely on Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Your sins are forgiven because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That was Stephen's confession. That is what came out of his mouth as stones were hurled at him in death. Okay? Christ's life 
motivated and drove Stephen's witnessing. And it does the same for you and I. If we want the hope of not only sharing Christ, but having anything that's worth sharing in the unbelieving world around us, it starts and ends with knowing Christ and knowing him and, and understanding that forgiveness in our own hearts, okay? So, life, right? Um, as you move, as we are scattered, the opportunity we have is to bring the life-giving message of Christ. That's what Stephen did in his death, okay? Moves us to our next point. Look at verse uh, 59 and 60. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Do you marvel a little bit at Stephen's confession? I, I think we can. I think maybe we should. There's maybe a secondary question you ask in your minds, or at least I do. Sometimes I ask myself, would I? If God had put on our plates to be in a situation like Stephen, would we make a confession like he did? Right? And even in Stephen's words, you hear an echo of Jesus' own words as he hung on that cross dying. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. It's a hypothetical that I think is okay for us to at least think through. But the truth is, at least to this point here this morning, I don't know that that situation has been laid on your plate. It could. That's the reality of what it means to be a Christian in this world. Maybe not necessarily in our nation, but in missions and in countries around the world, absolutely Christians are persecuted to the point of death. And so this, this, these words that we read uh, from the pages of Scripture... And this martyr we see in Stephen is happening right now in our world. Two believers who are confessing their faith. Now, is that placed on our plates here this morning? Not necessarily, right? And yet, we have opportunities where our faith is, is, is challenged, right? Where suffering comes, not just, and I'll put it this, not just suffer, everyone suffers, Believer, unbeliever, like everyone suffers, everyone's broken, everyone struggles. I guarantee it. You talk to anyone, you ask them questions. Every single one of us are able to share our own personal sufferings, and they matter, and they're heavy, and, and they weigh us down, right? So everyone suffers. But um, for us as believers, there will be times when we carry our cross, when it's not just suffering in general, but the truth is, it is suffering for your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It may not equal death, but it very well might equal um, being ostracized, ignored, ridiculed, maybe loss of a job, maybe fractures within relationships. But every one of us as believers at some point or another feel the weight and the pressure of what it means to be a Christian in this world. Right? So we talk about life in Christ, but I think we can learn something incredible from Stephen in his death. See, he understood something. He understood that no matter what his life may have looked like, the only thing that he could leave behind, in fact, the only thing that would change the hearts of those who were actually actively stoning him was Christ. Forgiveness in Jesus. And so with his parting words, he conveys forgiveness. And guess what? We have the same opportunity, don't we? 
maybe not physically in death, but in our conversations, in our relationships with the people around us, we have the opportunity, the distinct opportunity, even in the face of, of suffering and pain, to share forgiveness and to share Christ. So life and in death, we're able to share that, right? Peter knew that. Uh, you know Peter from the New Testament, oftentimes the spokesman of the disciples. Peter was one that had great highs and great lows. At times he had a confession that was as beautiful as Stephen's and other times where he completely disowned and kicked Jesus to the curb, right? So Peter was a man who knew highs and lows, right? But he says this uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. He says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we, were told, when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So what is Peter saying? He's echoing what Stephen confessed even as he lay there dying. This is not self-help. This is not a, a good way to get along better in life and in the world around you, right? This isn't handy tips for living and sometimes thinking about things that are deeper, right? The Bible and Christ and Christianity is not a self-help book, but it's specifically um, sharing and being eyewitnesses of the truth that Jesus died, rose again, and because of that, we are forgiven. These early disciples, that's what they were. When we talk and use that word witnesses, they were simply sharing what they had seen and what they knew to be true. But this very same thing is true of you and I. As our hearts are changed, we are not making stuff up. We are not trying to convince people into faith. We're simply sharing the good news of who Christ is and what he has done on their behalf. In his death, that's what Stephen did. Right? Pointed to Christ. In our suffering, in our world, in our relationships, we have the same opportunity. Simply point to Christ. Okay, last point. It says this, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So, Stephen's death, that wasn't the end of it. Actually, persecution broke out, right? And it was going to be more intense than it maybe had ever been. And so the Christians scattered, right? They ran, they fled, fled for their lives, but they did not leave behind what they knew to be true, was that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. They did not leave behind the one thing that reassured them of eternal life, which was Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And verse 4 is probably the most interesting part. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. The apostles generally stayed in Jerusalem taking care of those who were being persecuted. Some were being put to death. So who were being scattered? You were. You were. The pastors stayed in Jerusalem to try to uh, um, help and hold down the fort. Everybody else scattered. And what did they do? They preached the word wherever they went. They brought Christ with them to no matter what city, what country, what community, what neighborhood they landed in, they brought Christ with them. And you have the same opportunity, right? You have the exact same Savior, the exact same message, and the same opportunity to take Christ no matter where you go. There are places and people that I, as a pastor, will never be able to go. There are people that will never talk to me because of 
uh, um, my role as a, as a preacher, but they will talk to you. And they might be within your own families, right? There are, are, are things that I can't do and, and times that I can't share Christ that each and every one of you can. In fact, your mission fields are, are broader and deeper and more varied than I will ever see or even understand as pastor of your church. But your God above knows. He knows the people he has sent into your lives. He knows how your hearts have been changed and he's asking nothing less than he's asked of all of those Christians who have gone before us than to simply be witnesses of the truth of Christ, his death and resurrection. That makes it sound like witnessing and sharing our faith is pretty easy, isn't it? And it is actually. But it's also hard. And there will be struggles and pain and persecution. And yet, that doesn't change the life-giving message that you get to share in your unique mission fields. So much so, Peter comes back in 1 Peter, says this. says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Two things. The reason for the hope that you have. It's Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And we do that, and we share that with gentleness and respect, with honor, with listening, right? With sharing this life-giving news with those whom God has placed within our lives. I think that's a pretty good uh, um, um, witnessing tactic or instruction for us as believers. Share the hope that you have and you treasure dearly in your own hearts. And we do that with gentleness and respect, with love for the people that, that, that are in our lives, that are in our communities, that are in our neighborhoods, that, that dearly need to hear Jesus and his life-giving word, right? What's the comfort we have in all this? It doesn't feel a little bit overwhelming. Maybe we think there's no way, like there's no way, like I'm not a Stephen. I'm not like maybe this idea of like a trained pastor to be able to do this, but you know what you just saw. The spread and the growth of the early Christian church happened entirely, not entirely, primarily, substantially through people like you. It's been that way since the beginning. It'll be like that until Jesus returns, right? And that can be a little intimidating unless you know that your Lord and Savior walks with you. Remember our gospel text today? When Jesus says to his disciples and to you, make disciples of all nations, but this is how he ends it. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so you don't walk alone. It's a congregation full of people here today, but you don't walk alone even when you're out in your world. Your Lord and Savior walks with you, right? He says, I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you the strength and the courage to do it when it's at your doorstep. Simply be witnesses of the truth of sins forgiven in me. Now, what's it going to look like? I think it's going to be varied, right? Uh... Who knows where these seeds of life are going to sprout, right? Uh, sometimes in the most unlikely of places, right? Uh, sometimes in the hearts of family and friends that you would never would have expected it. Sometimes within the hearts of people that live near you, uh, that are in your own home. Sometimes even in places and in people's lives where you think there is no way <laughs> that this is going to happen, right? And sometimes even in the hearts of those who seem to have died, right? New life, life in Christ because of who he is and the forgiveness we have in him.
That's the opportunity we get as believers and as a congregation. Today, after the service, you're going to hear some pretty incredible things. Um, Jess Langer is going to share how she and they are sharing the gospel in Thailand, right? Um, incredible work. Um, we as a church, right, um, in, in the coming months, you'll hear some of the, the um, work that we do as a church body in planting new churches. Most of you know, maybe some of you don't. We were a new church plant. We didn't exist uh, more than eight years ago. <laughs> and now we exist and we are actively sharing, right? So uh, um, we are a church plant that is active in planting churches. We are missionaries that also send out missionaries. You're going to hear about a story about that next week, how you can support that. But at the core, we are Christians who share Christ. It, it, it is in us, it's in our hearts, it's part of our being, and it's our privilege and our opportunity to share that good news with those that are lost, dying, and outside of these walls. May the Lord bless us as we do that. May the Lord bless you in your mission fields as you see yourselves as missionaries and as witnesses to the world around you. Amen.